Hello, welcome to the Beyond Blocks podcast, a podcast about PHP, Drupal, open source, and related software development topics. I'm Oliver Davis. Today, I'm here with my guest, Eric Morland. Uh, hey, hello, Eric. It's great to have you on the show. Um, can you share a bit about what yourself and what you do? Hello, hello. Uh, my name is Eric. I, I work with Drupal. Um, I work as a head of the Drupal department in a company called Transpo. And also do a lot of Drupal work on Drupal Tutorial and, and stuff like that. And uh, I also do Drupal and PHP work for a service called uh, Violinist.io, which I think we will touch on in this episode, maybe. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, it's great to see we were just chatting before you press record as well. Um, we're both at DrupalCon in Lille. How was uh, last year now? Uh, how was how your DrupalCon? It was fun, a bit hectic. Uh, talk to people and, uh, you know, program from early until late. So, uh, but uh, it's also very inspiring. That's always my key takeaway from going to DrupalCon. It's, uh, and other people are working on cool things, and I want to continue work on cool things. Anything, anything particularly cool that caught your eye this time or inspired you while you were there? Mm, I, I was uh, kind of surprised of this new initiative regarding uh, configuration validation, which I found that was uh, uh, very important. And, uh, uh, yeah, I... I, I Found it inspiring. It, it uh, it's a it's a level of quality that we should aspire to achieve. Yeah. Yeah, something I've been looking at recently before DrupalCon because when so we've got a a CI pipeline, continuous integration pipeline that runs for projects and it runs things like automated tests, uh, PHP stamp, static analysis, etc. Uh, but not it's not really a way to have it validate configuration that I found. I think I'd managed to get it to do like a site install before, and that would tell you if it if it was going to fail. But then I think if it's if it's the standard profile, it doesn't work, or there's some some gotcha that I found that, that doesn't work. Yeah, so. that's correct. We we yeah. actually do run uh, quite a lot of uh, configuration validation, which is why I found this inspiring. And a part of the work they are doing is uh, reducing randomness in order of configuration keys. So one part of our CI setup is uh, making sure that after install the, the project or or build the changes in the project, that no configuration have actually changed if you try to re-export it so that all of the things uh, are, are committed to the Git repo. And from time to time, one might get failures that uh, uh, the ordering of the config has uh, changed. And this initiative is uh, going to help with that, which is which help my job easier then, I guess. Uh, but uh, anyway, it's it's a level of uh, attention to detail and a level of quality that I uh, find inspiring. The ordering is always something, you know, whenever we do usually a minor core update, I'll do a config export and all these config files have changed and it's usually just ordering and things have moved into a, a different order. So yeah, it'd be good yes. if there's a way of, of validating, but also I've found issues in projects where maybe we're calling configuration for a module and the module's not enabled or something, just to try and think of an example. So um, rather than it fail on production, uh, or, or a staging environment on the host. I'd rather it fail in our CI pipeline first, 
And yeah, I've, I've sort of found a way around it before, but ideally there'd be like a config colon validate command or something that you could run. So I'd, I'd have to go back to that session or that discussion and, and re rewatch it. But yeah, I remember that as well uh, as being a, a, a point. Um, and I think just also some of the improve the UI improvements in 10.2 and 10.1, uh, they came out as doing a new project set. It might've been for my Docker example project uh, as doing an update. And then suddenly uh, on the front page, on the install page now, it says, choose your language. Uh, and British English was on there as an option that wasn't there before or wasn't the default option for me. Uh, I think it said, select your profile before and nobody and like for new people they've like what's a profile i don't know yeah, so um i'd spotted a few of these things and uh, one of my daily email list posts was about that and uh spotted uh, another another few things in there afterwards as well um so yeah i really liked seeing that and it just makes things a lot easier for for, for users and i think also that some of the new things like reusing fields and using uh, making that process simpler and easier is uh is, is definitely a good thing that was one of my takeaways. So, what what type of uh, Drupal projects do you typically work on in your uh, in your day job? Ah, uh, it's a range of projects, I would say. But um, historically, it's been a lot of uh, e-commerce sites, uh, specifically um, using Drupal Commerce. Uh, and I would say I did junkies in the public sector universities in, and so on. Hmm. That was also something I noticed with uh, Ryan from Centaro tweeted out uh, a picture of a new dashboard they put into Drupal Commerce just before Christmas. I think that yes. was one of the first big releases I think I've seen from them for a, a little while. So that also got my uh, my attention recently. Uh, yes, yeah. there's, uh, they have started the development in the category. Dashboard is something that merchants, uh, yeah, like visuals and numbers are important when you sell stuff. Yeah, I was chatting with a family member who runs a small e-commerce shop and they Shopify for this. So I was showing him the screenshot <laughs> of everything. And yeah, it's just, it's all information and data that's already there. It's just a nice way of presenting it to uh, to the site owners or the store owners and in a way that they can, they just want to be able to see at a glance how many widgets did I sell this year and how much did I make? So yeah, it's really, again, it's just the, the customer or the end user in mind. Um, not so much, you know, as, as obviously as the developer experience is improving no. all the time as well, but the actual sort of end user customer experience is always improving. That's also important. Okay. So um, I believe we want to talk a little bit about Violinist or Violinist.io, whichever you prefer. Um, yes. Uh, well, it's, it's more what, what is it, first of all? Uh... Uh, which one, uh, Valens or Valens.io, or what is the service? Um, well, I guess, what, which do you prefer? I'd rather be uh, explicit about what we're calling it. <laughs> I guess uh, Valens is a bit more ambiguous. Uh, so Valens.io is uh, is more specific, uh, although in this context, I would understand if we were just <laughs> Valens. Um, I, I know. I know some companies who have so URLs in the name <laughs> you can be quite That's picky but whether true. you yeah. have uh, oh no no our company is dot something um, so yeah I'll make sure I'm not naming anybody in particular but um, yeah so, so uh, violinist is fine yeah so uh, violinist uh, was the reason uh, we're here uh, today I think I reached out and uh, asked if you uh, wanted to do uh, a show about that so um, mm -hmm. 
And obviously being here for me is a sort of a marketing effort, I guess, but it's also because I honestly think it's a good service and uh, and the type of service uh, it has is something people should look more into. Yeah, and, um, I I've used it before. I think it was Mark Lamon who was the first guest on the podcast. I think he was who introduced me to it, or I saw it on one of his repositories or, or something. Um, so what's what's the elevator pitch like in in a couple of sentences? What what does what is violinist and what does it do? Well, it's uh, nowadays there are other similar services, but to describe it, it's uh, it's uh, a tool that automatically runs uh, package updates for you and creates pull requests for these updates. And nowadays there are uh, tools uh, even integrated in GitHub, like Dependabot, that does package updates of a range of updates. No, I mean a range of package managers. But Violinist is specifically for composer PHP uh, dependencies. So basically it runs composer for you and creates pull requests. Is that a clever play on composer with being called Violinist or by just making odd connections? I uh, I don't know how clever it is, but I found it. Uh, always found it kind of funny that the composer logo is is not the composer; it's a director. Like it's a director of a conductor is probably yeah, it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so uh, it's more of an orchestra person. So I wanted it to be someone in that orchestra, and violinist seemed like an important part of an orchestra. Although I'm sure there are flame wars about uh, <laughs> which parts of an orchestra are are important, but uh, at least uh, it, it's a part of an orchestra. That's not very controversial to say. So, no. uh, so that's uh, how <laughs> clever it is. So I'm not sure it was the first thing that put in my mind. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I think I saw that recently with somebody. Somebody had mentioned that uh, it wasn't a, a composer; it was a conductor, um, and then somebody link them to a, a very old github issue that uh drupal or dave reed yeah. <laughs> had made about it um so that's sort of there online forever now which uh yes he'd also pointed out that this was a a conductor not a composer um quite a while ago if i remember rightly but yeah, i guess it's, it's uh, technically you, you can be a composer while just randomly also being a conductor so it's this is true yeah, yeah. Unless you're sort of running around from one to the other, that would be quite tiring. I suppose maybe yeah. you're trying to do two at the same time. That would be a bit much. Um, yeah, so I've used, as I say, uh, I've used, I think, before. I've used some of the others that you're talking about. Um, I think they were, yeah, they were separate products, and then some of them have been integrated into other services like GitHub now. Uh, I think the thing, if I remember rightly, for me that was quite interesting was instead of having like a new pull request for every symphony component, for example, like violinist just did one for all of them that they had uh, similar versions. We update them all from six four to seven or something, rather than having every pull request uh, be separate and then having uh, merge light base because you've got composer lock files changing all, all the time. Um, yeah, so that was uh, that was actually one of the features that was uh, most appreciated for a very long time, and uh, I think this is uh, uh, now on on the major other platforms that does similar things. It's it's possible to do something similar, but uh, it's an observation though that uh, things uh, from time to time behave a bit differently if you're trying to abstract away a concept like grouping updates and applying it to all package managers ever. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, by uh, focusing on one in the composer, 
it's easier to sort of have that specific scenario in mind that you were just talking about. For example, all of the Symfony packages are, they are literally always updated, uh, release a new version uh, at the same time, every single version. And that's just a fact. And so uh, that's like a, one of the main use cases. And for other uh, types of services, it would be one of many, many services, you know, many, many use cases for a group that they uh, within a range of different platforms and uh, environments. So um, I think by being more focused, it uh, it became um, available on violinist long time before for other uh, uh, platforms. And uh, I have not specifically compared them just prior to this uh, podcast and maybe they were, yeah, you know, great there as well, but um, that's an observation I have made. Yeah, I suppose focusing on one language or one package manager like Composer, you can be quite specific of the problems you're trying to solve rather than being, well, I also need to support NPM and, and Node or I need to also support Go or something, you know, and I need to have feature parity across all of them. And I, oh, I can't release it there until it's on the others as well. Yes. If you're focusing on one, you can, you can probably see the problems more clearly as well, I'd imagine. Uh, by having a smaller, more targeted audience than try just have everybody. Yeah, and there are uh, you know edge cases and uh, and people uh, send support tickets around uh, when my update this that doesn't update or or the other way around, and uh, sometimes it's uh, specific to the way Composer works and not packages package managing in general. And uh, this makes it very hard to sort of get all of the different kinds of updates right on all of the different languages and package managers. And for violinist, I can just, uh, you know, receive a ticket like that. If you update that, then, then that doesn't update in the violinist PR. Uh, you know what? Let's fix it. And now I can add an integration test for exactly that. And it will work now and forever. Uh, and so... Uh, that's that's a sort of a edge case and sort of stability that uh, that you have the luxury of uh, being able to provide when supporting only the one package manager. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also remember also the Triple Card when I got to speak to him briefly. Um, it was Niels from the Composer team. Uh, he gave quite a, a very good talk about how Composer itself and packages work and then private packages to packages. Um, was a composer too. Uh, I don't know, it was, but it was a lot, a lot of information in the, the talk. But it was, yeah, I remember going away, going like my mind was blown a little bit <laughs> after seeing that one. And yeah, I did get to speak to him a little bit afterwards as well. And I've spoken to Jordi at, at uh, meetups as well. So it's uh, it's an interesting. It's sort of parallels the Drupal Association um, engineering team a little bit, but people just sort of assume that there's this giant team behind a product like Composer or Packagist or maybe Violinist as well. Uh, and especially for Drupal.org, people assume there's like a giant team behind it, whereas in fact it's only maybe one pe person or maybe I think the, the DA is like five people now in engineering still. But yeah, people just assume because these products are out there and they're solving problems and, and doing them well, people assume that there's lots of people working yeah. it or behind it or building it. I was at the same session, by the way, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a very fast-paced session with a good chunk of it, uh, talking about uh, algebra and uh, it was the first session in the morning as well. So it was quite intense, but uh, it was a good presenter. also spoke with him afterwards. We, uh, I, I am interested in Composer as you might, uh, might know. 
<laughs> so yeah, just uh, yeah, making sure that uh, uh, which base from time to time. Who who is the who's the sort of target target audience, the target user for Violinist? Is it sort of one person with their project, or are we are we are you more focusing on development teams with multiple projects? Where where's the best? Where's the main focus for yourself? Um, personally, I uh, I would say I have focused the experience of using it on uh, developers and the people that are have I don't know. A, a job in in uh, developing and maintaining uh, PHP websites, uh, and this is a very conscious choice by me because uh, these people are the ones that are going to go to their technical uh, management and say, "Can we use this tool, please?" Because it looks uh, good, or I tried it and it works so well, stuff like that. So. Um, and the usage of it is mostly uh, focused towards uh, catering to that use case, but it ends up then being used by uh, a range of um, users and organizations, uh, both uh, individuals uh, like yourself. You said you tried it at some point. I remember you had some projects on there. I don't remember if you have it now or. Uh, Anyway, that's not the point. Uh, but uh, also uh, huge organizations that have either a, a product that they develop and they use Wildness to keep it up to date, or there are typically a Drupal agency that has you know, 20, 50, 200 uh, Drupal uh, websites or PHP websites that they uh, uh, keep up to date uh, on behalf of their clients. So uh, it's it's uh, all of those use cases uh, is... Uh, ends up as users, but I think, and that's a hypothesis, I think they end up like that because uh, the developers that try it or are researching this uh, can find what they want. That's uh, at least what uh, the focus has been. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, more specifically, I think it, it um, fits best for projects and teams and, and stuff like that that has some sort of development processes for example they have a, a ci pipeline and they have uh, automated tests and uh, usually they also have you know the continuous delivery uh, deployment setup and, and stuff like that so uh, it's an observation that usually there's an overlap between uh, wanting these updates in pull requests because that's that's like a specific type of workflow, the pull request workflow. It typically overlaps with people having a certain type of, uh, should I say, professionality around their uh, approach to developing and maintaining uh, websites. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. I can see how that would, that would work. So the workflow, I guess, is much. So I've got a website. So you'll see I do have a website. But Theoretically, you've got a, a website. Um, it has a composer.json and a composer.log file in it. Uh, so I suppose if you're running Drupal without composer, I think I'll probably still be using composer for a long time for, for Drupal. But so I assume if you've got a Drupal site not using composer, then would this not work? Like that, that example, or do, do we need those? Is it all composer driven? I guess. Uh, 
it's strictly compulsory driven. It's a requirement, okay. so it would uh, totally fail, and you would not be able to add the project to our list if it had, uh, didn't have a compulsory JSON. Compulsory JSON is the only requirement, actually. Yeah. Uh, but uh, okay. yeah. So we need composer. So we've got a composer JSON and or lock file, uh, and then let's say a new version of Drupal is released, some new minor version or something. So I'm working on a feature or a fix on you know, a different branch. Uh, so what I assume would happen then is Violetist would notice there's a new version of Drupal core that's out somehow. Uh, and you probably speak to a bit more about how that happens. And then would I get essentially a pull request? That's obviously, let's say I'm using GitHub or Bitbucket or the GitLab or one of those sorts of tools. Uh, I would get a pull request or image request opened by Violinist with, hey, you've got a new version of Drupal core that's out. Here hmm. is a pull request with a updated composer.lock file, presumably. And as you said, if you've got the CI pipeline, it's going to run, uh, run all of your tests, run all of the thing, and then like green tick, yes, this still worked. Or is, is that essentially how that how you see that happening? Yeah. So um to start from the beginning, uh well in this detects that the new version is out, yes. Uh and checks uh, all of the projects that are added to Violin is based on uh, a lot of different criteria. Maybe it's time to check if there are something new now or not. Uh, <laughs> and for Drupal.org, uh, it's specifically uh, added uh, uh, call a special check because uh, I work with Drupal and so I want it as fast as possible. So it's, it's actually very, very fast after a new commit is uh, uh, on on the packages package of Drupal, then you'll probably start an update job for um, for uh, the project that you have added to violence. Then it would create a pull request uh, usually uh, for for a patch version that would mean there's a change in composer lock. Violence will tell you something like, "Hello, I updated the uh, Drupal from ten to one for uh, to version ten to two, for example." And uh, here's a list of changes in that uh, in, in this package uh, between those versions. Here's a link to the release notes. Uh, here are some uh, uh, files that have changed uh, and different types of information you might uh, be interested in. And then hopefully for, for you at least, it would also then trigger the pipelines for your project. And if it turns green, you probably want to click that merge button and you uh, save uh, a person typing a couple of commands in their terminal. So that's mm -hmm. uh, usually the workflow. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a person ran a composer update command on their computer and then created a pull request, except it's exactly the same every time and uh, uh, no, no room for human error since it's a robot after all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a flashback. I remember somebody saying a while ago, very sure I remember who it was as well, saying about um, Travis CI. And they were speaking about Travis to a client. And the client thought Travis was a person who worked on their team who was doing all of these updates and not realizing that it was this automated um, CI pipeline tool. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a, a bit uh, harder harder to misunderstand with, uh, with violinists, but I guess uh, people are violinists too. So. Uh... Yeah, we have a violinist star team. Oh, it's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, 
That's interesting. It's a yeah, musical cool. pull request over here from that uh, violinist. Yeah. Mm. So I guess in my scenario of there being um, a, a some sort of CI pipeline or some sort of automated check, we can see whether you know, there's some sort of breakage, other because or regression, either because maybe I've got some code that depends on Drupal core that's changed. Actually, this had this recently with um, override node options module, it's the main one that I maintain. Um, the error messages that it was being output by core had changed. So when I migrated it to GitLab, it whilst it in Leal, um, those tests were now failing because the expected error message wasn't there. Um, so I suppose in that case, if I'd written a custom module and I had a test that expected something, Drupal core has now changed uh, in theory, then the, that, that test is going to fail. So I spot that and then not merge it until I'd reviewed it. But is there any other, like that's an application level sort of error. Is there any actual sort of composer um, or packages levels of errors? Like can, can Vilas itself break or anything as well? How would you, how often does that happen? That's a great question. And I think it uh, overlaps with the uh, sort of the comparison with other platforms and services that does this because uh, Violinist is so focused on, on PHP and Composer. Uh, it is possible to sort of more finely uh, tune how it's uh, supposed, uh, what environments it's supposed to update in. So for example, if you're using another uh, similar service, uh, uh, you might end up having that uh, boot, uh, sending a pull request that randomly requires PHP 8, for example, instead of, yeah. you know, your old legacy project is still running on PHP 7.2 for whatever reason. Uh, mm -hmm. And so the pull request will then contain composer lock changes that updates packages that are compatible with PHP 8 because, you know, the robot that updated it has PHP 8. And so um, those types of uh, things are something that are uh, avoided completely. Uh, and in terms of, there there are other types of composer errors that you might get uh, or breakage, if you will, uh, where you can sort of uh, update a package, uh, but it's, uh, you also have a patch applied, for example, that doesn't apply anymore with this new uh, version. And uh, since Violinist is only running Composer commands, it's it's actually not then um, recognizing this as an update because the update process failed. Uh, so, so these sort of, uh, what should I call them, pre-update uh, breakages or, or uh, things that will break in the actual Composer um, command phase, uh, I think are mostly not applicable uh, with violinist. So uh, the, the failures you will have in the pipelines will at least hopefully uh, mainly be in the category that you just described. Um, so for example, uh, uh, incompatibilities in the, on the application level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's the main, can be the main issue with somebody like, well, what if we do an update and it breaks our site? Um, use be able to build up that level of confidence, I suppose. And if you can, one way of doing that is having tests and CI pipeline and everything. But yeah, knowing that you've got uh, certain use cases covered within Violinist itself, you know, also helps raise that level of that level of confidence. 
yeah, uh, interesting you are mentioning this level of confidence because uh, uh, it's an observation that I have that this uh, this is something that people are worried about because it's a you know a computer or a robot or the cloud itself doing updates on my repo, then it's uh, it's not as quality assured. But my personal opinion is the quite the opposite, of course. <laughs> Uh, it's that uh, there are less room for human errors. Uh, one example is that uh, people on their computers uh, quite often run just the command composer update, just blindly update everything and hope for the best and then try to fix it in the PR uh, or, or something, give up even because it didn't work. And uh, when they do so, maybe they also do it on their own computer using PHP 8 when this legacy project was using PHP 7.2. And all of these yeah. factors are just simply not there when there's a computer with strict limitation to us to what it's supposed to do inside of that PR. It's doing exactly what it's uh, installed. And um, I have some experience with this uh, type of confidence uh, myself because I've been using Violinist for many years. Violinist, the website, uses Violinist, obviously. Um, and uh, there's an option in Violinist to automatically uh, or enable to, to merge on, on the pull request itself. This is a feature at least for GitHub and GitLab. So that when the tests pass, the required test pass, it's merged automatically. And uh, I have been using this for years. There's a machine <laughs> doing updates and merging them automatically uh, for years. And uh, of course, this uh, this uh, closely relates to the types of tests and the CI pipelines you have and the confidence you have in them. But I have literally never <laughs> seen the site break and because of uh, an automated uh, request. And I'm talking thousands of requests. So uh, uh, I have that confidence uh, myself, of course. Sure. Yeah, it's all about best practice as well, I suppose, isn't it? I remember um, certain projects, I remember seeing, like, I'd, I'd start looking on a, on a project and somebody has changed a file in Drupal core somewhere. Uh, this happened on several occasions with my consultant hat on. Uh, whereas then, you know, because everything's in one Git repository, it's all in the project Git repository. Whereas then when the adoption of Composer came in, and this is something I saw in the Symphony community, and then it came into to Drupal uh, later on, uh, it's because typically that you don't commit the Drupal core files or the Symphony vendor folder or whatever, like, it can't be changed because it's not in the repository. So it's sort of enforcing best practice um, by having site more opinionated to a different tooling. Um, yeah, and as you sure. said, it's just yeah, it it just makes it's as long as you follow best practice, it makes makes sense. And I'm always advocating for small, regular changes and updates. Uh, I think I put one of my daily emails. It's about like going to the dentist. Like you want to do it often and do little things often rather than only going once every five years or something and then have to do a big, uh, big work because it's more risky if you do them less often and then you're doing more changes. It's much yeah. less risky, even though it seems counterintuitive to begin with, to do small batches more often because it's less likely that you're doing 
deploying things for, or if something does break, you're like, oh, it's that change because that's the one that we did today. Yesterday's one was fine. So we know it's only today's one that's broken because <laughs> we've only yeah. deployed that one module update. Like you said, if it, especially if it's going to do uh, auto merge and everything and just deploy, then, uh, oh yeah, it's, we only updated that one module in that one release. So it must be that. <laughs> so it's easy to you know, either update again if there's a new version or to roll back just that one, that one commit because you've only deployed that one thing rather than it being part of a giant you know, release. Maybe you've done a release once a quarter or once or something. Um, it's much harder yeah. to find where the problem is in that scenario. Yeah. And uh, I think you're describing uh, like the situation for, for many companies and agencies that's uh, very tempting to sort of not uh, update uh, regularly because it's uh, time consuming and uh, well, uh, objectively boring, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, that's also partly the reason why it's good to automate it because then you don't have to do it yourself. And I think, um, I think it, you know, it's it's very tempting to avoid and uh, it happens all of the time. And then people generally can recognize the situation that you just described. It's like, you oh, know, we have so many versions behind that for some arbitrary requirement. Now we have to upgrade to Drupal uh, minor versions uh, for more than we have right now. So. So it's, uh, you're going to regret it either way. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to say something. It's gone from my brain. It'll come back. And <laughs> I'm sure in a, in a minute. Um, yeah. So, oh, it's, yeah. So what I was going to say, it's like, there's no value in it. Like as far as uh, if you're working on a development team, particularly if you're working um, like an in-house team, you want to be dealing with uh, product owners and, and stakeholders internally, but especially if you're working for an agency or you're a freelancer and you've got a client, you want to be demonstrating to them, I've done this new feature, that there's this inherent amount of value attached to this new feature. Um, there's no value in updating uh, override node options from 3.1 to 3.2. Like it just needs to be done. Right? And unless there's you know, a feature that you can really show people that they, and a feature that they need, it's an easy to go, I, I did this. Um, then, then a client will sort of understand or stakeholders will understand the value. Whereas just to be like, oh, well, we need to do, um, yeah, node options update or Drupal core or something. It's taking the team away from delivering the valuable work, which are the features or the, or the bug fixes uh, to, to do this sort of just maintenance work that just needs to happen behind the scenes for things to keep working. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually a good point. And, uh, and I think it's underlining sort of, sort of the value of a violinist as well, because you ha have either one of two scenarios. One is the uh, the relationship you have with the person you are responsible for the website doesn't see the value in updating it because it doesn't provide that immediate value, as you say, or it uh, takes you away from the actual job. Well, you know what? If you, someone automates it and you, you don't have to take that time away. And then you have the other scenario where it's more like, you're paid uh, a retainer uh, for keeping the site up to date. Say you have uh, I don't know, a budget of 10 hours a month for keeping it up to date. Then, you know, it's justified that you spend that time running uh, composer update commands in your terminal day after day after day. But you know what? You can save those 10 hours for something else if you enable violence. So it's like a, mm -hmm. all of these scenarios, it's uh, to me, uh, for some reason, it's very obvious that you should use uh, a tool in this category, at least. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I, I made a pivot from a while ago. So I moved from doing any hourly or daily billing or maintenance or, or to any time-based retainer. So any work that I do, is there's no relation to time at all. So it's either um, unlimited requests per month for a fixed fee or it's fixed price um, project work. So the whole project will cost you this much money. So it's in that situation, it's in my interest to make to make that as smooth as I possible. Guess. Yeah, and I'd true. rather yeah, I'd rather save time and have a uh, have a tool like violinist do an update for me um, whilst I'm working on something else because it should be then done. But it's in my interest to do these things as quick, you know, to automate uh, as much as I can. You know, why why buy a faster computer and get paid less if you do if you're working on an hourly or a daily thing? So it's in my interest to to introduce things like tests and static analysis and everything. Um, so that, yeah, I'm getting through the project quicker, but also I then have to, um, I also do a uh, bug-free guarantee on, on work as well. So again, it's in my interest to make sure that any work, anything I do works, um, automated or otherwise. So this is why I built a lot of scripts and a lot of tools. Um, like this one I made called build configs, which is, uh, I have a file in a, in a repo, that says we use PHP 5.2 and this version of Composer and uh, our install command or our Composer update command appropriately for this conversation is this because it's not always the same depending on project to project. Uh, so I have a file that acts as a, a canonical file for the repo. I then run a Symfony tool against it that I wrote which generates um, Docker files, PHP stand files, um, PHP unit sort of configuration um, Docker file, this whole list of things. I've got it now all centralized rather than me going to every project and saying, oh, I need to add Xdebug to it. I'll do that for each project, charge each client three hours or however long it'll think it will take. Um, it's in my interest to optimize that and do it once in the canonical template repository and then just update them all, which again is automated. Uh, I'll just make a new pull request against every repo that uses the tool and pulls in the latest generates the latest things and i go and merge it and, and it's done so yeah in that situation it's definitely my interest to make make this as uh, quick and stress-free as possible yeah and i think you're actually touching on one of the use cases i find most most useful is it's typically agencies that have in-house modules or, or, or shared modules across repositories because of this, uh, this uh, you know, idealistic world with uh, uh, this idea. <laughs> so you dropped your headset there. I'm going to repeat myself a bit. Uh, Sorry. Uh, um, many agencies try to, you know, have these internal modules where they can share the code uh, between uh, code bases, and and uh, uh, this only works if you actually keep them up to date. Because otherwise, it's instant technical debt, and that site is on that version, and that site is on that version. Yeah. And it's only going to work if you keep them up to date. And the only way you're going to keep them up to date is to automate it. And so uh, updating Drupal core, of course, is uh, is convenient as well. But uh, this use case particularly, I, I find it's uh, uh, yeah much more valuable than trying to remember to update it on every site that uses it, for example. Mm-hmm. It's probably worth just making a separation also between Composer and Packagist. So Composer being the tool that obviously you run Composer Update with, Packagist is the is the package repository where all the, the packages of the metadata is. Um, but not all Composer, Composer doesn't always use 
packagist as in the global packages.org site. Um, I'm thinking Drupal, Drupal uses packages.drupal.org. Um, so that's not packagist. Um, so I assume you're querying against different, let's just say composer backends for one of a better phrase. Um, but also the thing you just mentioned then, what about things like private packagist? If, if a company does have uh, their own internal packagist, like would Violinist work with that as well? Or is it only with public packages? Yeah. It would uh, work with that, and uh, there's uh, th that's an early difference as well with those other tools because uh, there are uh, a couple of different approaches that you can use to to sort of uh, um, distribute your internal packages, uh, and so Alliance has uh, always supported them all uh, by by using Composer directly. And um, just to mention a few of the options is. Uh, there are uh, a couple of uh, of uh, variations of something called SOTIS, which is uh, something that builds a static private uh, registry for you. Uh, and you can uh, use this uh, in, in a couple of different ways and with a couple of different authentication mechanisms. Uh, you have private packages, which uses um, its own authentication mechanism, but it's also very similar uh, to to this uh, and then uh, the one approach that many people use with uh, I guess if you're a smaller team or, or smaller uh, agency somehow is to use git repositories uh, and this works great on developers machines uh, because they have all of the SSH keys installed but probably not so great with the, all of the other update tools that are available. And so you would uh, you would need to, um, and you can use this with the wireless by using SSH keys of, of the either the project or the or the user key that you're assigned to on the wireless. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I don't think I've encountered yet a scenario that, that does not work. Uh, there, uh, from time to time, people have uh, registries that also require developers to be connected to a VPN. Uh, so that's the, of course, the use case that's a bit hard to solve. But uh, for uh, a certain, uh, you know, level of plan, uh, we can arrange for a static IP at least to usually have a exception in the firewall so that. Uh, yeah, I think registries was the right word. I was trying to find a minute ago. Reg registries. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, how does that this relate to? I know Drupal has an, an update as an initiative for automatic updates. Uh, how much overlap is there between something like Violinist that's trying to do this at a composer level versus automated updates, which I assume is more of a like almost like a site level, it just sort of updates itself rather than using tooling like a, a composer-based tool. Yeah, uh, Automatic Updates Initiative is also actually using Composer under the hood. It was made possible after uh, Composer version 2, which reduced the memory footprint of Composer to uh, yeah, yeah, a fraction <laughs> of yeah. what it usually is to use in Composer 1. And so uh, that was version 2 of the country automatic updates module and I generally see this as as uh, two uh, separate uh, 
types of workflow. I, I guess you can theoretically use uh, use them in you know uh, together, but the the main use case, at least in my opinion, for the Drupal initiative automatic updates is for uh, the type of projects that probably do not have a pull request workflow and do not have automated tests and uh, continuous deployment and, and stuff like that, uh, or and would like an option for uh, Drupal to update itself while it's sitting there on that uh, VPS in uh, DigitalOcean or whatever. And uh, that's uh, just great that this is possible. But of course, it's uh, it should be possible to you know utilize this tooling to sort of run the core automatic updates on a I don't know staging server or or an ephemeral environment somehow, and then write the pull request from that just like what Linux does. Uh, but um, and I guess it's a matter of taste, but uh, I see at least a place for both of them where uh, one is more in the category of uh, these uh, types. Uh, I call them somewhat of professional development practices and uh, more of a, uh, you know, uh, should I call it? Uh, Hobbyist hobbyists. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I see. I mean, it's it's always interesting terms to try and define to find that. I think that's it's part of a wider discussion around like which does Drupal sort of serve a lot of the time, and that's a big conversation to get into. I don't think we'll go into that now, but um, yeah, it's like how do you how do you define that? And I've seen um, things like the Try Drupal Initiative with non technical people, and um, I've Nicholas Franco on here before speaking about contribution for non technical people. It's uh, yeah, how do you sort of cater for both both ends of the scale, which is sort of you know, what you were just saying. Yeah, it's a tricky balance. Mm, yeah, it is. It's uh yeah, it was I started in like the triple six day five or six. And then it was like, yeah, well, I think just sort of put together a site for yourself or I was like hack together a site is the wrong phrasing. But yeah, whereas now it seems a lot more um professional and uh yeah, it's 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 different. It's it's different to what it was then. But you know, as a project, it needs to mature. And I think some of the the tooling Drupal's had, even around even just like the issue queues to begin with, like they were well ahead of their time on Drupal.org compared to some of these other tools. But also things like um, test bots and and then Drupal CI and now GitLab. Um, yeah, it's been amazing to see um, like the Drupal project and the whole sort of Drupal ecosystem. Uh, advance uh, as well as others, you know, Symphony as well. I've seen some of the, the tooling that, that Fabian has written around subtree splits for Symphony ecosystem. Yeah, it's been made to see the, the progress in so PHP and Drupal and others during, during my time. And of course, there's been people around longer than me, but yeah, it's uh, it's all very interesting to, to see. And so you can't look forward, but you can look back and reflect back. It's interesting to see where we've come. It does make me think about you know, where will we all be in another. 17 years from now, from now when I, I look back at this 17 years. Yeah, for sure. So you've mentioned violinist uses violinist. Um, you've yes. mentioned that violinist uses Drupal uh, under the hood. So do you want to explain a little bit more about, about how that how that works? What does what does violinist <laughs> itself use use Drupal? And I assume you do you mean just like violinist.io is in the website, or do you mean the actual violinist as the tool itself is using? using Drupal. So I'd like to hear a bit more about that. Well, 
it's a interesting distinction what is the service and what is the yeah uh, but uh, the the website uses Drupal, yeah. So you can log in there, and then you are a Drupal user, like you are on your um, Drupal installation, and uh, yeah, all of that happens in in as a regular Drupal website. But mm -hmm. the tool itself, um, it's uh, like the actual uh, processes that run the composer update the things uh, are not using Drupal. Uh, it's uh, in sort of a distributed system that runs, uh, you know, jobs for itself outside of the Drupal site, but uh, they report back to the central that is the Drupal site. So I guess in some ways it's, uh, uh, it's the heart of the thing is Drupal uh, and uh, uh the website is a is a regular drupal website and it uses the uh, violinist itself uh, by updating the composer log file just like we described <laughs> so uh i think i did some uh stats on this uh at some point uh last year and i checked how many many of the commits to violinist io the website was made by the violinist boot and it was uh around the 30 percent <laughs> So uh, uh, it's been a lot of commits uh, attributed to Valenet's uh, book as well. Mm. Yeah, I've had an idea of it. I've had an idea for a while about wanting to build a software a service or a SaaS product on top of Drupal for Drupal. Um, it's sort of on my list of projects at some point to to do. Um, but yeah, something I, I do want to do. I think it'd be a bit different from doing client work or now I'm trying to do more product based type things or as well, but I think SaaS would be would be quite interesting. Uh, have you got any sort of lessons that you've learned from running a SaaS business? Uh, well, I think it, like my main lesson uh, for for running a SaaS business is to provide amazing support that's mm -hmm. always paid off, uh, short term and long term. Uh, just take every question very seriously, answer them thoroughly. Uh, be polite and you know a normal person uh, uh, and i guess it's it's a uh, a bit uh, more thankful to be uh answering support tickets from uh people that are probably quite technical to begin with if they are using a service that are creating pull request for them so mm -hmm. i guess type of support tickets are then uh, quite often well described and now, coming from an understanding that uh, 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 these are complex things and maybe it's like that and, uh, and sort of, uh, so I guess that sort of helps, but it's, uh, uh, I think that's the single most important uh, lesson. And uh, I think that has created a, a lot of loyal uh, customers for uh, for the service. Mm -hmm. Did you a free plan as well. It is free for switching the page. Um, free for open open source projects will always be free, and then you've got yeah. a pro plan and an agency plan and enterprise plan. So how many, how many uh, those are support requests? Are they mostly from the free people or for the pro people? How many? Uh, is is there sort of a, a scale of of that? Of... Uh, I would say quite a few are from from free actually. Mostly, it's going to be some sort of a 
initial onboarding sort of a thing because people sure. have have this sort of setup that they you know they end up in a situation where they need a violinist and they have uh, maybe a, a, a combination of different uh, approaches to adding registries and here are a git repo here and then there's a git hook that runs after the composer install and i don't know much different things and then it ends up being uh, quite non-standard uh, and then they try to run it on a platform and they're not on their own computer where they can have you know the documentation up in another window and they see that they would have to um, uh, combine a couple of options to get it uh, as they want and so these are quite often the ones that are in the agency or enterprise category. And uh, probably also why they end up being loyal customers because they can't find this, you know, a specific uh, tailored uh, uh, combination of options in the more generic update platforms uh, that exists out there and violinists uh, then ends up the only way they can compose their updates with a service. Yeah. You got any any big new features in mind on a on a roadmap for violinist? Yes, the there's uh, one big feature that's been in the works for a couple of years, and uh, it's uh, support for teams or organizations, so that uh, uh, you know you can have uh, agencies where you can every developer can log in with their own GitHub account and and you know. Administer the same uh, products, no, I mean projects. Uh, whereas in now uh, there's uh, a connection between the user and the projects. So uh, usually the, the bigger uh, organizations that are using Wellness have a shared user where they log in with a username and password instead of of a, mm -hmm. uh, a GitHub account. So they, so they have sort of a a system user or a boot user that they use to log into violinist and it's uh it's a sort of a uh, arbitrary limitation and uh, it's also been requested for, for some agencies that they want to hand out access to their clients they want to create teams uh within the organization so there's one team for client a and one team for client b and then they can give access to the client itself so they can Maybe they have a technical team, so they can go in and see, you know, available updates and failing updates and so on. So uh, that's uh, definitely the main feature for 2024, hopefully. Yeah. That'd be great. I think it would just be nice to see it. I see a lot of SaaS products, I think, in other communities. Um, people always building SaaS products as well as other things, like, you know, courses and other things. Um there's a few of us, I think, in the Drupal space. Uh, Jeff Gerling had a server check-in and hosted Apache Solar and some others a while ago. Uh, Matt Glamman does um, some streaming, some some posts, some content creation. But I don't. Uh, there's a few others as well. Um, it's escaping me right now. Everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'd be nice to see more of that. I think with uh, yes, Drupal base, and I'm sure there's probably others I just don't know of. But uh, Drupal SaaS or, or people doing. Um, I say Matt, Matt's did streaming on PHP stand extensions and simply test me and uh, blogging. Maybe there's quite a bit of in the community. Always, typically there has been, but it'd be nice to see uh, more sort of products and some of that more like innovation type of thing. Like, in fact, there's a lot of it there, and I feel like we've seen some of it with 
things like Pitchburg and, and some of the innovation stuff that uh, Alex Moreno from the, the DA is, uh, is is sort of promoting at the moment. So I feel like it's there. So how do we um, sort of encourage people to you know not just use it for you know, building client sites and things, but also for building products and, and self projects as well? Yeah, it's uh, an interesting question. I think uh, first of all, it's it's a very useful platform to build a SaaS on, uh, really, because it has uh, quite a few of the things that you would have to have to to sort of uh, have this uh, uh, payment aspect that gives you elevated rights in terms of the permission system. It's super easy to just implement the plans on top of the permission systems, uh, which is what what Valenius does. But uh, my theory, though, is that uh, the reason uh, Valenius is on Drupal, for example, is because it's the tool that I know the best, and people building SaaS solutions are using the tools that they know the best. And I think, and this is a hypothesis for me, probably, if you are uh, considering starting building a product, then uh, you have this sort of influence over, oh, now we can finally use technology X or Y that we have been looking yes. on, these new fancy things. And so mm-hmm. you're going to do things. that. And the Drupal uh, does not have that reputation, let's just put it that way. And mm-hmm. so it does not get uh, chosen. It's uh, you know it's boring to have those permission system already in place when you can implement it from scratch instead. So much more fun to... Uh, Use a fancy new framework, uh, but yeah, I'm in the category of uh, speculating here. So uh, I think, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, uh, yeah, that could be partly uh, the reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a few others have sprung to mind. Uh, like Drupalize.me was uh, another one that that Lullabot created was Drupal based, and it's now uh, it's its own thing. But also, um, yeah, Webwash uh, channel it's Ego or something. I don't remember his, his name now, unfortunately, but. Um, yeah, the other people who spring to mind from, a, from that side of things, but yeah, maybe we need uh maybe for for DrupalCon in Barcelona this year we need a a, a SAS buff or, or or something. We should. Uh, That's very catchy, uh, by the way. SAS buff. Are you going SAS to the SAS buff? <laughs> Did you go yeah. to the SAS buff? Everyone SAS was buff. there at the yeah. SAS buff. How many, how many acronyms can we fit into one session? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's easier than there. Software as a service, bird of a feather. It's a bit of a bit of a mouthful who tongue twister if, if you do it that way so yeah that's yeah, that be interesting um okay this has been a really great conversation i feel like we could be uh chatting here again for another for another while um but if people want to uh reach out to you or if they want to try violinist or have questions where's where's the best place for them to go well the best place to try violinist would be to go to the violinist website at uh, violinist.io um I guess if you want to chat with me, you can find me on the Drupal Slack and there. Uh, I have a profile on Drupal.org. Uh, it's uh, Eric is my, uh, my first name, and then there's an S and an M after that. So Ericsson, which refers to my middle and last name. Um, and uh, in there, there are some other links, I guess, to my GitHub and my blog and uh, X or Twitter, I think is in there. And so those will be the best options to get in touch. Right. I'll put them in the uh, the episode notes on the website and also on the uh, podcast platform. 
uh, right. all the things Very we talked about, like uh, yeah, Composer, Packagist, and some of the other things we've, we've talked about. Um, thanks for joining me, Eric, today. Uh, it's been a really great conversation. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Beyond Blocks podcast. I'm Oliver Davis. Thank you.